Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and oh my soul, worship His holy name. You guys are free to stand with us this morning if you like. Sing like never before, and oh my soul, worship Your holy name. The sun comes. It's a new day dawning And it's time to sing our song again Whatever may pass And whatever lies before me Let me be singing with thee this morning are any of you, any of you going who who are you everyone. everyone my name is Trent this is my lovely and talented wife Shelly and uh, we are called we are the monks there's a deep story there that we'll get into tonight no I'll, I'll, it's our last name <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for welcoming us into your community and, and allowing us to worship with you and alongside you I'm gonna read from scripture uh, from Ezekiel, chapter 37, um, the Lord has led Ezekiel to um, uh, the top of a valley, uh, 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 and he's looking down into the, the valley, and it's full of bones, and the Lord speaks 
to Ezekiel says, Prophets sigh to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. I need daily reminder of this every day, that every breath is a gift from God. worship and sincere worship as we offer these songs to you as praise 
thank you that you meet us where we are. Every person in this room is experiencing a different part of life. Some hard, some good. But Father, I pray that you meet us where we are. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we teach you a new song? Yeah. Thank okay. you, Pastor. The rest of you, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> I've tried on my own to create the light that leads me home. But with every step, the darkness grows, pushing it on me. So as I lay me down, take me from this emptiness I found. Lead me with a strong and gentle sound of your voice. Redeemer, great Redeemer, shine your light on this darkened soul. Redeemer, great Redeemer, this one and heart. Find its way home. Now, through your grace, I see how this crippled heart's supposed to be. You've taken all the broken parts of me and you're making me whole. Yeah. Redeemer. this morning, right? Redeemer, great Redeemer, shine your light on this darkened soul. Redeemer, my Redeemer, this wandering heart must find its way home. This wandering heart must find its way home. This wandering heart must find its way home. Amen. Father, we offer this time for you. And would you penetrate our hearts with your word? And would it resonate in us and change us? Father, we love you. Amen. Before we, uh, before we get into everything, I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much for being willing to come into a place you don't know and, and share music with us. That's awesome because the one thing I know about worship is, uh, man, it, that's the church's language. Like we can, we can, we can worship together. Um, hey, we've been going through a series in Acts and the whole book of Acts has been based on this one verse in Acts chapter 1, verses 8. And every single week, I'm going to read it, and this is what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. And we've been sharing videos with you guys every once in a while just about people in our own church and, and how they... Uh, how their walk with Christ is. And so this week, uh, we get to show you Gracie Burns' testimony. So here it is. One of the aspects of God's character that has been really um, prominent to me lately, I guess, is just his faithfulness. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple months just reflecting on 
where he's brought me and um, I don't know, just even from when I was a little kid to now and how much he's always just been there for me and protected me and provided for me. And there's just never been a time where I could say that God wasn't faithful or didn't get me through something difficult or sustain me through it. And so that's something I've been um, just more aware of and really rejoicing in lately is how it just his faithfulness in my life. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I had two parents who loved me and taught me all about Jesus, and I came to know the Lord at a really young age. Um, and I think I really just, like, as I grew up, came, I don't know, went through different stages maybe of how different things that God would show me or teach me. Um, but one thing I remember from my childhood a lot was I was always that person that was asking God into my heart again and again. And um, I think I just didn't fully understand God's grace. And it wasn't until I was in college that God really revealed to me my sin and that I was a sinner and just how much I needed Him and that I couldn't do anything on my own to to make myself better or to make myself right with Him. And um, it was through then that I think I really came to understand more about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And um, that line in Amazing Grace, um, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved." Um, is sort of something I really, is, I really resonate with that because when you are aware of how much of a sinner you are, that can be really, just realizing the weight of that is hard. Um, and there's, I don't know, a lot of fear that comes with that. But then when you realize the good news of the gospel and how much he loves us and that he, um, died for us and paid the penalty for that and took care of our sin, then it washes all that away. And that was something that I was, when I was in college, the Lord really taught me. And ever since then, I would say I've just been trying to follow after Him and know Him more and make Him known in my life. I love that video because it's, it's uh, first of all, her name is Gracie, which is hilarious, and understanding the, the fullness of grace that God gives to us, and that's exactly where we're at today in this story in Acts chapter 10, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you flip over to Acts chapter 10. Now, of course, you saw at the very front of your notes that uh, it's it's, we're going to be going through a chapter and a half. I'm not going to read that whole chapter and a half or anything. I'm just going to walk through it with you guys and, and talk a little bit about what's going on here. But before we do that, let's pray this morning. God, as we open up your word, uh, it's, it's your word and not ours. And so, God, would we meditate on it? Would we know it? Would we allow it to seep into our hearts? And would we allow it to guide and direct us. And so, God, our hearts are open. Would your Holy Spirit speak to us? And thank you for the grace that you bestow on us to to walk with you every single day, to not be burdened by shame and guilt, but to live in freedom that you offer. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So this whole story in one chapter, um, in well, actually a chapter and a half, is based on, I think, one little uh, um, idea, and that's this, is that if you have a plan, God has a better one. And so uh, one of the things that uh, just kind of struck me um, in this is that, and I, and I kind of, touched on it really briefly last week, and it's the idea that the Jews would go out, so all of the, I should say this, all of the apostles would leave to the outer ends of the earth, and they thought, well, we're just going to preach just to the Jews, and God is going to stir something up in us Jews, and we're going to change something, and then we're going to bless the rest of the world. 
And so Peter is walking around, and he, last week's story, uh, if you didn't hear that, go back on the podcast, go back on our um, uh, on our website and go listen to it. But last week's story, Peter is actually having a spiritual reformation in this. Is we go straight from Paul's story of how he is converted, and now we kind of go to Peter's continued formation in part two of this week. And so Peter's walking around. He's with Jews. He's telling all these people that, hey, Jesus is the real person. And then he kind of gets to be hanging out with uh, this tanner outside of Joppa. And the funny thing about that is if you're a tanner, you can't live inside the city gates. You actually have to live outside of the city because it is considered an unclean thing to do. And so we've got this guy who is tanning hides and doing all this stuff, and Peter is living with Simon outside of these gates. And so God is starting to do something in Peter's life. He's starting to tell him, wait, you should look at this differently, And so about 30 miles away from that, north of there, um, of Joppa, and I'm sorry, I completely forgot to put a uh, kind of a map on here, but uh, if you think of where Jerusalem is, you can go west, and that's kind of where Lydda, Lydda, and Joppa are, and then go north of that, okay? And so um, there's a place there, uh, Caesarea Maritime. Basically, uh, what's going on there is a port, and there is a man there named Cornelius, and Cornelius is a uh, Roman centurion. He, is, uh, he has got some power. He runs about 150 to 300 men, and God comes to him and says, hey, I know that you fear me, and I know that you've been following me, but I want you to do something. I want you to go to Joppa, send some men to Joppa, and have them go get Peter and bring Peter back to me. And so Peter, uh, well, yeah, so Peter's sitting there and he gets done with kind of his daily things and he's up on uh, the top of the house and he's starting to pray. And then all of a sudden, God shows him a little bit of a vision. And if you want to, uh, Tony, that's uh, actually, uh, let's see here, that's 10, 11 through 18. And so it's sitting on there, but it's further down. Sorry, my bad. And this is what it says, Peter saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. And then Peter's response, this is, this is really, um, if, if first of all you're sitting there praying and then all of a sudden you see this vision and you hear God's voice, I think you should listen. But Peter, on the other hand, just goes, hey, no, Lord, I ain't going to do that. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have not declared impure and unclean. This is kind of, just this idea is kind of like when your wife comes to you and she wants you to know, does this dress make me look fat? And you're in a big situation right here and you don't know how to answer God, right? God, he's just like, is this a test, Lord? I have no clue. Tell me what's really going on. And now we get this and he, he is bold enough to say, no, Lord, I, I, I have never eaten any of these things. And I love God because God is full of grace. And the voice speaks back to him. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. This whole intent and purpose is this, is God is working in Peter's life to tell him, hey, you have a plan in which you think that I'm going to share the gospel around the world, but I I have a different plan. And the first thing that it starts with is, is Peter's prejudice. Because you see, Cornelius is definitely not a Jew. He's a Gentile. Right, And so we talked about Samaritans a while ago. They're kind of the half-breeds. They're half-Jewish, half-not. And now we've got Gentiles who didn't grow up in the Christian faith whatsoever, don't know anything about uh, God uh, except for maybe what somebody's taught them and considered complete pagans, complete non-followers of Jesus Christ, or I'm sorry, of God at all whatsoever. 
And then you have this guy. And so Peter is sitting here going, wait a second. I'm not supposed to eat any of these things. I'm not supposed to talk to Gentiles. I'm not really supposed to be living here in Simon's house because he's a tanner. Like we, this is all unclean. And God is sitting there sharing something with him that he's never real, real, really realized before. Wait a second. Maybe God is doing something new here that I never thought of. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have prejudices. This week, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Well, I, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. If I said the word Republican, what's the first thing that you would come up with? If I said the word Democrat, what's the first thing you would come up with? If I said, uh, let's see here, if I said uh, homeless, what's the first thing that you would come up with? If I said reservation, or more importantly, Indian reservation, what would you come up with? If I even talked about somebody in a socioeconomic background than you are, or a different job than you have, what are some of the things that come in your mind? This week, I, <laughs> I love how uh, every sermon that I'm about to preach, God shows me something that is completely sinful in my life. <laughs> And so I get done with coffee on Monday morning with a friend of mine, and I'm riding my bike, and if you, um, if you don't know, I've been trying to ride my bike as much as I can, and so uh, going from downtown to, um, to the church, I will always take the fastest route because I'm lazy sometimes, and so uh, I had to cross the train tracks. And so part of me, I saw this train there, and I was like, ah, oh, the train just started, I was thinking to myself, though, but I could go Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen up. Like, that, that could be okay. That could be fine. And I said, eh, I'm tired. I'm just going to wait for the train. <laughs> so I sat there, and I was waiting for the train, and, and I'm just sitting there on my bike. I got my, you know, my pant leg pulled up like this so I don't, uh, so I don't get my pants in the, in the chain and all that sort of stuff. And I'm looking cool because I have my polo on. In fact, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was this outfit. I'm pretty sure. My wife washes clothes every day. Um, but uh, no, I, I'm sitting there and I look through all the cracks on the other side. There are three travelers sitting right there. And I thought to myself right away, hey, I'll know they're hobos if there's a dog. And I looked down and guess what? There was a dog. And then I was like, okay, it's got to be two guys and one woman Two guys and one woman, like I was just like, and they're going to be wearing the, like brown clothes, right? Like they, it's, and then I thought to myself, of course they're wearing brown clothes. Like they're never happy. <laughs> like I just thought this stuff, right? Like you guys, you can judge me, okay? All you want. I'm like, yeah, they're never happy. If they wore brighter clothes, they'd probably be a little more happy. Or people would probably give them more money if they did wear brighter clothes. But if they wore brighter clothes, they'd probably have a job. And if they had a job, they wouldn't be drifting. And they'd actually like be somewhere and make something of themselves and like give to society. And they would actually pay their taxes. And they would, I mean, I just went, like in that four minutes, I was just like, are you kidding me? I'm just going to let you know my great-grandpa was a hobo. Like, he traveled all over the United States. It was incredible. Who knows how many great cousins I have. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. And, I, and all these things I started checking off. And then, and then people, the, I, it couldn't even become any better than this. I was thinking to myself, I'm such a law-abiding citizen, like I'm just such a great person. And of course, the train gets by, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? That, they, they just started walking across, the, like the arms didn't even lift up or anything. Just, and I'm just like, oh, they don't follow the rules. <laughs> As I weaved in and out of traffic in my bike and didn't use hand signals and all that sort of stuff. And if you know anything about me, I'm not a rule follower. I say that in jest as if it's something funny, but then I have to actually really look at my true heart. Because we all have prejudices. We all have something that if we were to look at somebody, we would, we would vote them in as that person's not worthy of something. 
that person isn't worthy of, let's, well, in this case, it's worthy of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to come through us first. It has to be by us first. Or they have to get their life right first, and then they can come to understand God. We have these stipulations in these rules. At least they have to jump through them or they have to fix themselves first. I think it's interesting that we've created a system in which a gal grows up in church all of her life and she says, I felt like I had to keep going over and over again up to the altar just to accept Jesus Christ. I maybe didn't understand it. That's where true grace comes in is that we do understand the depths of our sin. We do understand that it is not us cleaning ourselves up or getting other people to get right first. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and direct and bring people into Jesus Christ. And it's our job to facilitate and help out whenever the Holy Spirit comes in. And so this is exactly what's going on is God is telling Peter, you have this idea of how things should go, but wait a second. Would you just be willing to listen to me and I'll guide and direct you to the right spots? I think it's crazy how much that God might, how much God tells us to do something and we don't want to listen because it's either too hard or, wait a second, they won't like us or we have these inward, well, we even have probably prejudices towards ourselves. Like, in that moment, would God, would I have been able to listen to God to be able to walk over to them and say, hey, how you guys doing? I know a couple of you in this room that do a great job of that. But for me, I don't know if I would have been listening to God enough in that moment if he said, go, I would have gone. And so God is getting a hold of Peter's heart and saying, Peter, here's what's going on. And Peter is now listening because these three guys show up at, the, at his gate. And this is interesting is, is these guys are even smart enough to know not to walk into the house because they're not welcome because they're Gentiles, so they stand outside of the gate knocking. They even know that, wait a second, they don't like us and they don't want to be with us, and so, hey, we, we can't go in there. Mahatma Gandhi shows, shares this story in his autobiography that in his student days in England, uh, he was deeply touched reading the Gospels and seriously considered becoming a convert to Christianity. And so he would say things like this, that it offers real solutions to the caste system that divides the people in India, and I, and I, want, I can see how God would bring everybody back together. And so one Sunday, he attended a church service and decided to ask a minister for enlightenment on the salvation and his other doctrines. But when Gandhi entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go elsewhere to worship with his own people. He left and never came back. If Christians have caste differences also, he said to another, I might as well remain a Hindu. If we have stipulations on other people... If we try to tell them they are absolutely not welcome, they might as well stay the same. And so as we listen to God and as God is grabbing a hold of Peter's heart, these three men come in and say, we have a master who, who wants to have you come and talk to us about this whole gospel thing. Would you share with us And you know what Peter does? He invites them into his house to have dinner with him. Yeah, I just had food ready. Why don't you come in and let's talk? And so they spend the night with Peter, and Peter then wakes up the next day with these three men, and he takes off to uh, Caesarea Maritime. And he goes into this house with all of these people, Verse 24, and they arrive in Caesarea, and the following day Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives. And I mean, he calls in everybody to listen to this. 
As Peter entered the home, Cornelius fell to his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled, up, pulled him up and said, stand up, I am, I am a human being just like you. This is what is unbelievable to me. When he says this, I'm a human being just like you. Not, I have the answers for you. Not, you know what, you better get right with Jesus or you're not going to make anything in this life. I'm, I'm just human as well, trying to figure out how to walk this life. I'm not going to point you to uh, myself. I want to point you to somebody else. This is a completely different Peter than the Peter that was sitting there eating fish with Jesus around a fire. This is a completely different Peter who doesn't automatically think that he's got all the answers and just rushing through and saying stupid things. This is a Peter who is now listening more and more to the Holy Spirit and saying, please guide me and direct me. But then he goes on in verse 28 and says, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. And then we move into verses 34 because here's the whole point is Cornelius says, man, I've been a God-fearing person and I'm walking and I'm trying to walk with God, but I know there's something missing when you share it with me. So in verses 34 through 43, we hear the whole entire story. And Peter says this, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Israel with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them, was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to, to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Can you imagine God setting up a whole entire audience for you to share exactly that? Not, hey, here's, what I, uh, here's the three spiritual laws that I think you need to understand that I'm learning. Here's all of these things. No, he lays out the gospel for them. And he lays out what salvation is because this guy, yes, he's this Cornelius and his whole family, yes, they've been fearing God and trying to walk with God, but they didn't quite understand the totality of salvation. And so here is the totality of salvation through this story right here is this, is that salvation can only be offered to us through grace alone. It's not something that you can do. It's not something you conjure up. It's not having enough fear of God. It's not doing anything but understanding that God is working it out for you. And it's through grace alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone. There is no other Savior that can save us. And so he spends so much of his time saying it's Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. Look at this. He did all of these things through these miracles and walking with us and teaching us so that we can be witnesses. So it was only by grace alone that we could do this and through Christ alone. And by faith alone means that you don't have to do anything else. And this is, this is what I love about the next part of this story. 
Because even as Peter was speaking in verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. They all had faith that day that this story was true. This is what we want to believe in. This is what we want to walk in. It wasn't Peter's magical prayers like some of the times in past when they were praying and the Holy Spirit falls on them. It wasn't that there was baptism first and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit or any of those things. It was their faith going, we believe this story of Jesus Christ. And in this very moment, Peter knows that the gospel is for all people. Not a select few, not the special ones only for the Jews, but it was for everyone. So if that's the case, if the gospel is for everyone, what are we doing to make sure that everyone knows? That Acts 1-8 verse, once again, you will be my witnesses. And like I told you guys last week, that... And we're witnesses whether we use words or don't use words and our actions and our moods and everything that goes on, even when I'm kicking a cart in the middle of Costco. We are witnesses everywhere. So my question to myself this week and to maybe you guys is, what if we started with our prejudices first? What if we started looking at the people that we have kind of written off already or the people that we've kind of said, no, you know what, they're always going to be that way. I've heard things like, oh, that's just this person. Nah, they are too far gone. They're not going to listen anyway. I've told them 700 times. I think it's is I think it's funny that I wonder how many times Jesus told Peter in the three years that they were together. It comes to our idea of, okay, if that's the case and the gospel is for everyone then, what am I doing to do that? Now, I'm not telling you that you need to all of a sudden go out to the street corner because we've already talked about how witnessing is about building relationships. So you don't need to be the bullhorn guy on the corner of the street telling everybody that they need to turn or burn or anything like that, but it's as God leads us as we're walking through with him. And I think that through this scripture this morning, I think the first thing that we need to look at in ourselves is this. And if you're still taking notes with me, it's that very first one down about two-thirds down. Prejudice is grounded in pride. What sort of pride do you have in your heart today? That either says, I'm better than, or I have the answers to what you need. One of my favorite things to do when I get into a big city is, and... I'll get back to this in just a second. We're talking about pride, but one of my favorite things to do in a big city is find the public transportation downtown or a tram or something and get into one of the cars or the buses and listen to how I am not the majority. I love being able to know that there's seven different languages spoken around me, that uh, there's different colors of skin, there's, there's all of these things because I start to realize that, wait a second, I don't have all of the answers. Even if I needed to at that moment give the right answer to something and I was speaking to somebody in a completely different language, I am done for. I couldn't I couldn't help. Even if I think I am the best at all of these things, in those moments, I feel the most small. And I absolutely love it because it gets rid of all my pride. There's, in, in fact, this one I was in downtown Minneapolis and we were just riding uh, uh, 
can't even remember if I was with my family or not, but we were riding downtown because I was in the middle of school, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the bus stop is like two blocks away from where I parked my car, and so um, I'm telling you, like, I, I looked to get on these buses, so like, parked my car and then got in, and I'm telling it downpoured so hard. Like it was raining so hard and there was people getting on and you could tell that they were going to work and I was thinking to myself going, I don't, I don't know what this is like to live this very situation. Mom walks on with her little kids and you can tell that she's dressed to go to work and she just walked. I watched her walk these hundred feet from one awning to the next just to get on the bus. And I, I'm, I'm not talking about a drizzle here, y'all. I'm talking about like flash flood type stuff. She is drenched. And I think to myself going, how, how do you help out with that? How do I even know what that's like to live those situations? How do I know what it's like to live as a hobo walking across? What if there's things in their past that I have no clue about? It's getting rid of my pride thinking that I've got something so much better than anybody else. And yet, I do because I have Jesus Christ. There's this amazing uh, piece of scripture that uh, Paul writes and he says, here's the deal. It's a mystery to everybody else, but to you, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not that I have done something to maybe muster up enough Jesus in me. No, it's this idea that I do have the hope, but it's not out of a base of pride. It's out of, uh, it's out of a grounded that, wow, man, you, you definitely need this. Walk with Jesus, it will change your life. But I need to get rid of my pride first. And the second thing I think we want to look at a little bit is we need to, we need to realize that prejudice, we've assumed that prejudice is all right because of tradition. We need to realize, ah, I, I'm just going to read it. We assume prejudice is all right because of tradition. What traditions do you guys have that you guys don't even realize that you've said over and over again? What are the traditions that you have that have maybe alienated people from bringing them into your life? I love in chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, when he says, you know, it's been, we can't enter into your house. That's been the way it's been forever, and we can't associate with you, but God has shown me something different. This is the way the Jews have been doing it for centuries. We don't, met, we don't man, we, we don't get with you unclean people. What traditions do you have in your life have you kind of maybe need to get rid of? When you see a certain person, do you walk across the street? When you, when you enter into a restaurant and you know that somebody might suck your time up, do you purposefully avoid them? Do you look for the opportunities in which you can, if, in which you can serve, or do you go, or in which you can serve somebody else, or do you go, no, I can't do that. I've got, I don't have enough time for that. I think the one story that I have, that I find really interesting, and I know this is going to be a different tangent, and I don't know why I'm going to share it to you, but I'm going to. <clears throat> I think one of the biggest tragedies travesties in this is when we have people that I know um, have come into my office and gone, you have people in your church that are the worst tippers in the world, and I don't want to be around them. That stings a bit. We have people who come into my office and go, I don't, I don't know why these people act like this, because when they act like that, I, I don't even want to be around them. They are demanding, they tell me what I'm supposed to do to do my job better, and they don't want to actually listen to me. 
We have people in our church that walk in and ask for help, and all I can think to myself sometimes is, man, this is the 14th time I've helped you. When are you actually going to get yourself together? And it's not the 14th, it's the second. But I think it is, right? We can't circumvent the idea that we can't just walk with them. Hey, can I walk with you through life a little bit? Maybe I need to change my traditions in how I deal with things. And the last one is this, is getting rid of prejudice is painful. You may have to put yourself in conversations in which you're not comfortable with. You may have to ask God over and over again to change how you view somebody. There are some of you in this room who have probably had horrible business dealings and you want nothing to do with that person, but maybe at some point we can go, for the sake of the gospel, this is where God is leading me. But it comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through me trying to guilt you into something. It comes through you spending time with Jesus over and over again going, God, would you show me the wickedness of my heart? Would you show me the depths of my sin so that I can take care of those and so that I could love on other people? Because when we understand ourselves, how much pride we have, how much sin we have, what are the things that we haven't been following God in, we can then get to this last point of going, no, God, I just, I want to understand that and you love absolutely everyone. You love them where they're at and you help them get to where they're going. And this is that whole entire story all the way through because later on we find out that Peter goes into, uh, Peter goes back home after a little while. He, he spends some time with them, and Peter, uh, Peter goes home back to Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, people give him lots of grief. I can't believe you went to that place. I can't believe that you talked to them about Jesus. And he goes, whoa, 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 wait a second. Let me tell you what happened. And then when he tells them, hey, I saw this vision, I went there, and even as I was speaking, the Holy Spirit came down upon them, and then we baptized them in the name of Jesus, and they are real followers, and God is doing something amazing. You should see God work. It's unbelievable. And then everybody else goes, we can see in that very last verse, in chapter 11, verses, uh, sorry, it's verse 18. We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Everybody can have that opportunity. Let's not hold it back from anyone. Let's not secretly think that it's for us only until they get their stuff figured out. Let's not start putting divides and saying, sorry, you've been that way for a really long time. Sorry, I can't have a conversation with you because you don't believe in what I believe in. But as we listen to the Holy Spirit and as we're guided and directed, I pray that our prejudice started fall, start falling off and that we can start loving people the way that Jesus loved people, by dying on the cross for their sins. So I'm going to ask the monks to come back up, and I'm just going to close with this. As we sing this last song, How Great Thou Art, I, I, I would like you to think about what's going on in your heart. How have you, how, I, I should say this, I, how does God need to change your heart to be a person who is led by Him over and over again to love others? It's not, it's not always about picking up that phone today and going, hey, you need Jesus, I've, my pastor told me, or anything like that, but do you have a desire to be day in and day out led by the Holy Spirit? So if he says go, you go. Will, will you be willing to capture all of those thoughts in your mind that, that say, wait a second, they're not good enough, or they've hurt me, or those are those types of people? but to come back and know 
that the gospel is for everyone and go, wait a second, people, here's the gospel right here, the good news of Jesus Christ that is, th- that is through grace, Jesus Christ, and by our faith, he'll change your world. And so as we worship this last song, just be willing to spend some time also just listening to the Holy Spirit. God, would you show me what's wrong with my heart today? Or if you know everything's good, sing it out and praise it loud. Oh, 
Galatians 3.28 says this. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what we want to be. Just so uh, you're aware, next week is Communion Sunday, and so come just be prepared to um, take communion with us next week, and uh, man, I come back tonight for some great music and some great worship. Let's pray. God, would you show us where we are wrong, and would we realize that you are God and we are not, and you are great. You didn't, you didn't spare your son and you give grace and you bestow us with your Holy Spirit so that we can walk in newness of life. That, Lord, we can be your witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and to the outer ends of the earth. God, we love you and we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your truth in our lives. And would we realize your goodness. In your holy name we pray, amen. I love you all. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.